Um, honestly, my teammates went three and out tonight. Paddy the Hooligan Hooligan. A rear naked choke. Absolutely beautiful. Carl Pendred, an hour and hour Irish warrior. I mean, you can't beat that guy. You cannot beat him. And then uh, Neil Seary, Gunny Nelson, phenomenal performances. I fed off of that. Uh, it was a clean sweep, a clean sweep for the Irish. I said it last year. We're not here just to take part. We're here to take over. Those were the words of the the famous Conor McGregor five years ago today at the end of uh, UFC Dublin. An absolutely wonderful card where the Irish went 5-0 and on the night. Or the clean sweep anyway. Was it 5-0? It's more than 5-0. It depends who you think is Irish and who's Icelandic. or Conor can be counted. As long as, if he had lost, it would have been like, ah, forget about him. But if, mm-hmm. since he won, he can be an adopted Irishman. He uh, but he always kind of was in, in, in all seriousness. He was always... Uh, kind of supported and treated like he was Irish due to his Irish connections from very young and fighting a lot of the the early pro fights of his career in Ireland. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so I suppose we, we just popped on here today to, to talk about it. You know, PT did a great article on it. Myself and PT were actually talking about it on the podcast yesterday a little bit and I've been thinking about it for a couple of days and we said we'll, we'd pop on here and do this. Just kind of a, a retrospect, the absolute kind of positives of that night and maybe kind of what's happened since uh, afterwards as well and like you know Conor McGregor saying as, as the intro said there we're not here to take part we're here to take over and now he's the only Irish born Irish trend fighter left in the UFC which is it's your favourite phrase a little bit sad I know I said it like four times now <laughs> it's, it's, it is true though it's well, we'll, we'll get to that I suppose that, that night though and I, I wrote an article a couple of years ago when Paddy Hoolan retired about him that night and, and his fight and the way he started and it was it was the first UFC event I had been at. I obviously had covered a few cage wars and stuff, and at that time I was kind of just moving over to Severe and May, and I didn't even look for credentials because I'd left the last place and was kind of with Severe and Yeet already. Yeah, started been, yeah, you were uh, you were very rough and had to be moulded by a master <laughs> like myself. <laughs> Wait, how, how rough was I at that stage? Like, what was I doing? <laughs> I don't know. Like, I'm a master, but I, the McGann thing went so wrong. So uh, yeah. I don't know about. <laughs> 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 Who else have you molded? Did you mold PTI? Sorry, Andrew. Andrew's only on my mind because he messaged, he messaged me earlier. Wait, what's he saying now? What's wrong with him? Oh, he was he was just saying he was passing by my house and oh, God. what I in. Uh, no, I'm not home. Sorry, I'm, uh, I left. <laughs> I live in a different country now. Uh, I actually, I, I pretty much said that. I said, "Oh, I live in Dublin," which is true. I don't live where he thinks I live. So, oh, yeah, well, that's fair enough. Sure, but anyway, let's talk about this card. And I just got a text message from you. Ready? Yeah, I am ready. I am ready. I'm ready. Yeah, I, don't I, know, know, I wasn't delivering the. I don't know. I was trying to get the get the podcast started, but. Uh, I don't know, something's going on with your connection. Yeah, maybe, maybe. All right, uh, Paddy Hoolan versus Josh Sampon, that, that car, that, uh, the start of that. Were you over in Iceland that time? You know, a lot of that coming in, you're reading back on it this week and stuff. You know, he was over there in Iceland, and a lot of talk was Conor McGregor kind of taking him under his wing, was showing him a lot of striking and stuff. Were, were you there for, for some of that? Yeah, Paddy Hoolan, uh, there was a lot of them over there. James Gallagher, Kiefer Crosby, uh, Kiefer, James, and Conor were living in a a little house and I was together for I don't know how many weeks I can't remember how many weeks now mm-hmm. but uh, I think Paddy Hulan came a little bit later yeah. over maybe his fight was announced later or something I don't know he came over a little bit later but yeah uh, I, I, I do remember a particular one in the octagon in Mjolnir in, in Iceland in the gym there uh, Paddy and Connor were like obviously it was a really big fight for Connor, but Connor was, was preparing Paddy as well and kind of just uh just like yeah, he was he he wasn't like selfishly focused on his own fight and his recovery from his knee or whatever. He was he was making sure to help out James as well and Kiefer, everybody, you know, but Paddy Hulan, yeah, because obviously it was a 
it was a huge, Connor obviously knew it was his debut and huge fight for him and Connor obviously even when it's not his teammates like Neil Seary and like that he always he usually anyway wants uh, Irish fighters to do well mm-hmm. uh, historically anyway yeah and I suppose coming into that fight obviously it was, you know it was Paddy Hoolan's debut and he was undefeated he had a draw with Neil McGuigan a few years before but he was he was undefeated and he was coming in after the ultimate fighter as well I remember where he'd kind of the bad back and he's bad back yeah, for Josh Hill he got an unlucky unlucky matchup and he was yeah, Josh Hill just kind of hit a lot of takedowns. Paddy Hoolan was going for triangles and stuff, but the you know the the top control won it for him in the end. But that was kind of unlucky that he, you wouldn't usually get such a tough matchup in in the preliminary tough fights. But it doesn't go on your record. And as you said, the other fight that he had, he he, he if you watch the fight, he definitely won it. But it was it was called a draw. Judges uh, at it again. Was it fucking Michael Bell and your man? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I suppose at that point as well, you know, he was getting taken out and stuff. Then Josh Sampo and that UFC debut, he was a good wrestler. He was known for it at the time. Like, I'm um, coming in a lot of people. I think Josh Sampo was maybe even the favorite going into that fight. Like, and Paddy Hoolan came out there and really dominated him with that strike. And you know, as I mentioned, a lot of people talking about McGregor taking him under his wing and stuff. And you could see it from the start. The strike. Yeah, that was, was a beautiful uppercut. Uh, yeah. The double uppercut. Mm-hmm, yeah, and he hit him with that, knocked him down, and then got the uh, the submission. That kind of started it all off. And the, I suppose the special thing about yeah, the, the that crowd night, noise. Yeah. Like you were in. The crowd. I was in the press row, but there was like a lot of celebrations, as if you know, as if people were celebrating Conor McGregor winning, winning in the main event. It was, it was like there was no holding back. It wasn't. Oh, this is just a prelim. It was full out celebration. Yeah, for me as well. Like as I wrote in that article, I tweeted out today a while back. You know, I, I was, I as I said, it was my first UFC. You know, I'd, I'd exams for UFC ninety three down in down in Cork, so I kind of missed that one. And I was, you know, kind of just getting into MMA maybe eighteen months or so before. And I was still pretty much a, Johnny a, 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 a casual at that stage. But I could, I was wanting to go, but I couldn't go during the exams anyway. But it was. To me, looking at that first fight, I was used to, you know, Facebook fucking prelims back then or whatever, and all you could see in the crowd was, you know, Anthony Kiedis and 10 people for the first prelim, you know, on Facebook, and no one there. And there was, the whole crowd was packed for Paddy Hoolan. It was absolutely packed. There wasn't, a, you know, there wasn't an empty seat in the house for the first prelim on the card. And to me, that was the first shocking thing to see. And then afterwards, uh, but you I know, think I think I think people forget, like, for how many years and years people were like, "Oh, when are the UFC yeah. coming to Ireland? When are the UFC coming to Ireland?" Like that was just constant, constant, constant. Like if if there was any kind of Irish person was asking a question at a Q and A anywhere near Dane or anything like that, it was when is the UFC coming? To? Like people were gagging for it. Like people were raring to go. Like people weren't going to miss anything. Mm-hmm. And people have been supporting them. Like the, the local scene is small, but like with Connor winning and couple of fights before that and kind of making a big splash people were kind of the scene the local scene had grown bigger like just it was, it was just kind of the crest of a wave people were like taking a proper interest in the sport like um in ireland and we're kind of supporting young people anyway we're supporting connor and support, supporting the, the sport so it was it was an accumulation of things that made the atmosphere so good like and um made people like not I know in, in, in Vegas it's particularly bad where like there's basically nobody there for a lot of the prelims but in like London and stuff like you know it would be like half full or whatever but this was people were raring to go before the first fight starts and that, that's extremely rare for the UFC and I think that made an impression on Dana as well because like, Dana couldn't say enough nice things about everything to do with the crowd and the, the event yeah, after, I mean, the, after the event yeah and it was pure it was it was just it was that as you said there I think it was, what, it was five years between UFC 93 and, and that card and 
there was a rabid fan base there. It was, you know, all the talk. Remember before it was like the fastest selling UFC card of all time. Where I don't know how they make that out. Like, but you know, we we got that in there anyway. It was a very kind of it was a proud people. We were fucking happy to get it back, and uh, you know that that fan base really wanted it there. And it it did. There was an eruption. You know, Irish people don't like spilling beer, but there was a lot of beer spilled after Paddy Hoolan won that night, and after you know the rest of the lads won as well. And what a way to start it up. But then you had that Nikita Krylov Cody Donovan fight and. That to me watching yeah, it like it was funny because nobody was really paying attention to it. Like no. the, the the two fights, all the fights in between the Irish fights, people were just kind of go, we got we spilled their beers everywhere. Let's go get more beers, mm-hmm. or let's go for a smoke, or let's talk about that last fight. Nobody's really paying attention, and people were just singing kind of Ole and other kind of Irish related or Irish, the usual Irish chants. Mm-hmm. So uh, it must have been. It, the weirdest thing that fight though I, I, what you're saying is right and I had never thought of that until right now but you're right because I remember sitting there and I was looking at Cody Donovan and I, like as I said it was I, I'd been to a few Cage Warriors cards and stuff before that as well it wasn't my first MMA event but it was it, that was the first real like frightening knockout of it I'd ever seen Cody Donovan was just sitting there and as, as you said you know some of the crowd were going out for drinks and gone for a piss or whatever and they're just I was just sitting there I remember looking at him and was like Oh, this, this, you know, it's this is too real. Like looking at, the, I'm, 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 you know, I'm usually be at a home on the screen, you know, watching this. I'm, I'm sitting here, I'm watching the UFC, and this guy is just lying there on the canvas, and no one seems to care. Everyone's kind of going around going for a drink, and it was just, it was like an out of body experience. Looking, and it's funny that I think of that rather than you know Paddy Hoolan or Conor McGregor being like the the biggest, um, the biggest memory I kind of have of that night because it was very scary looking at him there just lying face down on the canvas, and he got back up and he was grand, and you know he's still well, I, I, he gave up through after that but he's still training people and stuff Cody Donovan now but that to me that was just that was one of those things as well from the night maybe the, the most negative part of the fight but it, it, it's the, the reality of it as well and I, I think that 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 was pretty insane and then you know the, the Trevor Smith torn Trang fight was a uh, decision not the greatest fight in the world and then Carl Pindred Mike King uh, this fight was another one that so called even like for Carl Pendred it was yeah. very Carl Pendred I like I think you kind of had to be there for this fight as well because it was the most insane fight this is a totally different fight live than it was watching it back like I watched it back there recently and the second round wh- how long did it go it went 3 minutes 33 seconds like to me in my memory this was Carl Pendred got the absolute shit be- beat out of him like a 10-7 round in the first round got destroyed and then came out and just automatically rear naked choked him in the second round. <laughs> that was to me. I was like, this lasted 30 seconds in the, in the third round. But it didn't. It lasted three and a half minutes. And it was an unbelievable comeback. Like, that was one of the most ferocious beatings we've ever seen in the UFC, that first round. You know, you mentioned that Mark Goddard did a great job there. No one pinned was okay. No one he could keep going. I remember thinking at the end of the round, you know, it's it's weird. You know, a bit like Darren Elkins when he's two rounds down. Ah, oh, he's just starting now. He's favourite for this fight. Like, Kyle Finder is a bit like that as well. You just knew Kyle would come back. And you knew Mike King had, you know... If you win around 10-7, you're putting a lot of fucking energy into that. And you're going to be tired. And your, your opponent's going to get an opportunity in that next round if he can survive. And he did. And he got that opportunity. And he took it. You can't beat that guy, can you? Yeah, well, one... Uh, back then uh, with the old rules it probably would have been a 10-8 even though it was so one-sided yeah. but uh, like Penred didn't want to obviously draw or like nobody wants to to not win like drawing mm-hmm. is like losing like and you wouldn't even be thinking like that you know he's not really known for uh, his finishing or his submissions uh, Penred but I think it was more Mike King just kind of hit him with everything he had and just kind of couldn't couldn't go anymore he just ran out of gas like he just he just couldn't he couldn't put him away he, he couldn't beat that guy 
Mm-hmm. And just kind of, he kind of went out really quick. It must have been a serious squeeze from Pandra mixed with, you know, a lack of uh, oxygen due to just throwing everything at the guy and him still standing there and then on your back choking you. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, it was crazy. Like the 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 reaction to the crowd, like the crowd were were, were like so into it. Like, it, you know, when Pandra was about to lose, it was it was so quiet. And then the explosion when he won and people were, it, it was just crazy. Uh, even like, you know, if you're, uh, PT's article rem- that you mentioned earlier for ESPN reminded me of like uh, how crazy Dana was, was going and, I obviously didn't see it, but the lads from SPG, they were, they were on the card, and the other fighters were talking about it after the event, like and saying how Dana was like, like a fanboy going mental about the fight, mm-hmm. and, and about, the, about the crowd and about everything, and uh, how just how surreal that was, and you know people waited a, a long time, as I mentioned, for the UFC to come back to, to Dublin, and it would seem to be like going perfectly but obviously there was a, there was a long way to go still at that stage there was only four fights into the card mm-hmm. yeah and that, it was funny as well you said Dana was like a fanboy I was like a bit of a fanboy as well that night that was the only card I was ever at as a fan and MMA fan every other card I've been at I've covered it so it was weird because I was sitting in the crowd and obviously you know this was still the early days of Conor McGregor you don't have the, the knowledge maybe that you'd have today from a lot of the crowd obviously you've the, the big fan base you know of Jiu Jitsu guys down in Dublin and Cork and all over the country and stuff but you know the, probably 90% of that crowd was, was pretty much a cat casual kind of fan just coming for the for the event and i remember my king almost had an armbar at one stage and he was at like the totally wrong side and everyone around me was like no no he has him he has him and i just remember on shut the fuck up he doesn't and he got yeah. out i remember when he went for that armbar so i don't know who i can't remember who it was in press row around me was like yeah call's not gonna tap to that mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, whoever it was obviously he's got a fight before like he'd been in that ridiculous bruno carvalho fight like mm-hmm. where like it looked like his arm was gonna snap and you know he, he just he just had no giving him like and that's probably like when you've thrown everything and you're getting tired and that's very demoralizing mentally for for mike king as well like mm-hmm. uh, yeah. So was, yeah, yeah. Was, and Mike King was on drugs as well for that fight. Carl Bindred got the bonus. Yeah, he got it, bonus. it worked out brilliant for Pendra. He ended up with a hundred grand instead of fifty grand. So. Yeah, and I think he gave some of it to like the children's hospital or something as well, didn't he? Just a, a market of man. Like I don't Carl know. He's, he's smart. He's smart with his money. Like he's 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 done well for himself. Like mm-hmm. little acting career, little restaurant, little, dipping his feet in a few different mm-hmm. gigs, and um, I think yeah, that that 50, extra fifty grand probably probably helped a lot there. I don't know if I haven't talked to him about it, but. Yeah, I'd say like, you know, I'd say, I'd say he was, I'd say he was pissed off when he heard uh, this guy who he lived in a house with and said he got on all right with, like, you know, not best of friends or anything, but like, mm-hmm. you know, uh, mutual respect or whatever. And then he, he was, I think, he was pretty pissed off that you know the guy would take drugs against him, like, and fight against him. But uh, when he heard, oh, I'm gonna get the bonus, I say, ah. Oh, <laughs> I don't mind. Happy days. Yeah. Yeah. Cheers, Mike. Uh, little, little known fact as well. Your boy Sean Sheehan was the man who got the "You'll Never Beat the Irish" chant started that night as well. After that, Colin McGregor or Colin so McGregor, Colin Pinter, no, it's a fact. That is it's that. not what you know; it's that, what you can that, prove. Sean. A, I can prove it. I have three witnesses there who were with me that night in the beer to that I can prove. Oh, it. Eyewitnesses. Eyewitnesses. <laughs> I'll never hold up a court. <laughs> That's true. That is true. Uh, but uh, after that, Neil Siri came in and got his first. UFC win against Phil Harrison. I was only talking to someone the other day about about Neil Siri, like, and Neil Siri to think like the way we kind of got him into the UFC by a, by a Twitter. He didn't give us enough thanks for that. No, 
Neil's there, money dog. But he got in. He, uh, he shared. He shared me out in a in a severe interview. I think around the time. Oh, fair play to him. I think McGann tried to take credit for it or something, and he pointed that it was he, actually. It was on me, he, really, wasn't it? Yeah. Who knows? I can't even remember if it was me or not. But I definitely, <laughs> I definitely shared it around a lot, and I don't think I like we probably wouldn't do that these days. But no, I don't know. You couldn't. Like, like it was. It was a different yeah, time. Like it was a different. Yeah, time. it was. Uh, it was just a small community back then. Mm-hmm. And that was another fight as well. That kind of went three rounds, and maybe it wasn't the best fight in the world, but it was. It was a good win. Like that was it was great crack though for yeah. the, the fans, like shouting like way every time he drew a leg kick. Or, oh yeah, yeah. Or, or Ole <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. All that stuff. And that was good. It's actually I'm gonna give away all of PT's article on ESPN, but uh, uh, it was it was uh, interesting that he was like he kind of was celebrating with the with the Pendred and Hulan wins, and he's kind of like thinking to himself, "Oh shit! Like I better go out there and win now." All these people have been talking about the Irish clean sweep accumulators and all this stuff, and it kind of just it hit him then. Mm-hmm. But uh, yeah, it was a like it's hard for these flyweights to to finish each other. But I thought it was a very good performance. That was a, a very good fight. You know, I, I said I was talking about Neil Siri there. Like I have an I have a feeling if Neil and we obviously we'll never know. But if it was like eight years earlier and Neil Siri got into the UFC, if they had the flyweights and if he wasn't you know working in a warehouse fucking nine ten hours a day and he could train full time, I think Neil Siri could have been up there. Like I really really do. Like he. Brad Pickett at that time when he fought Brad Pickett that wasn't too far away from them talking about Brad Pickett re- rematching Mighty Mouse you know and he won around against Brad Pickett and that was a close fight on short notice in his UFC debut like that should tell you enough about how good Neil Siri was I like I really think he was underrated even for what he did in the UFC when he was you know he was uh, you know uh, he was old <laughs> older than you should be especially at the lower weight class it's a record like people mm. just look at people can't get a lot of people can't get through the record they don't yeah. even look at the record or they they don't like they just look at the record and they see they hear the numbers and they automatically judge how good a fighter is or yeah i remember uh, i remember writing an article about him fighting, you know all sorts of weight classes yeah. and all sorts of notice with who knows what training have while working as a manager or whatever he does in that warehouse mm-hmm. and kids going everywhere like the man the, like the man could have i think the improvements he made so late in his career at such a so old like so old this mm-hmm. man is so old all this man like all the nine yeah, McGrath, the man, like yeah. yeah like that bird shirt that says he's 30 odd is bullshit like, don't believe don't believe a word from that deal theory yeah he's like your man what's that inter milan striker years ago that was like 19 but he was actually like 40 what's his name obafemi martin freddie adu i was american <laughs> <laughs> but yeah that, like that was oh yeah martin yeah. but um yeah like Siri made such improvements when he started training not even full time but more mm-hmm. like for these big fights where there was actually like you know decent money he could justify taking time away from you know putting, <laughs> buying his kids fucking food and whatever they, they need and yeah. you know he, he needed like he couldn't just he had responsibilities he couldn't just train all the time when Leicester was just not huge person to use here or anything but like you know, 10 and 10 or whatever is yeah. a lot more than he'd be making when he was fighting in like fucking whatever like any promotion in the UK or Ireland, even Cage Warriors, like they they bring you on a good route, and they they kind of saved like together. Obviously, like it wasn't just Cage Warriors, but they helped save Neil's career, get him to the UFC. Without if Neil hadn't assigned for Cage Warriors and made that run uh, at his actual weight class, he never would have got to the UFC. Like mm-hmm. that is true, and nobody nobody would have been saying, "Oh, if he had got to the UFC, he could have done this." People would have thinking he would have got slaughtered in the UFC. Like so, you know, he did really well to. To do what he did, but uh, I think if the weight classes that that exist now were around when when Siri was starting and the scene was more advanced like it is now, he, he could have been 
he he could have had a much better record. Yeah, I re- I remember saying someone there the other day. It was I I think it was ever a better nine and nine fighter in the world than Neil Siri. Like, and I I did an article on him on something before. It was just and it was only a small bit about Neil Siri. And I, I remember I I texted him and asked him oh, what what was the biggest weight class you fought or something. And I think he said like he fought someone at like one sixty five or something, which is fucking madness con- considering he's a one twenty five or like and not the biggest one twenty five in the world either. So like how that that's easily explainable the nine and nine record. You know some people have records that are not maybe easily explainable. They just got beat by better guys or whatever. But I don't think Neil Siri is one of those guys and Phil Harris was a good guy as well you know fought, fought Jose Aldo back in the day and all so you know that was, that was a yeah good been around well. a lot like been yeah. around fought everyone it was uh, it was um, it was great to see like for Siri and for a lot of these guys it was great like mm-hmm. that they actually got to the like you think of people like Owen Roddy who never got there for various reasons yeah. just because maybe they were too early or the circumstances or whatever like it, it, they they would have loved just, just one one shot and Siri got one shot in short notice took the opportunity did, really yeah. did well like you know he lost a fight but everybody was impressed mm-hmm. like people probably pick a shooting for takedowns and people weren't expecting that like you yeah, know I remember, remember that uh, a well res- well well respected I'm not sure of the word <laughs> but a journalist coming into that said oh Neil Siri want to get this to the ground you know he wouldn't we won't yeah. be able to stand up Brad Pickett and I was like hmm yeah I don't know about that now Gareth <laughs> Ilar Latifi then took on my boy Chris Big 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 what was his name Big Dimps Dimpsy and won by TKO in the the first round and Norman Park then opened up the the main card a lot of talk coming into this was about Norman Park I think he was getting his first finish in the UFC and he he fought Nayuki Katani who let's be honest wasn't the the greatest fighter in the world but it was a good finish by Norman Park as well there was a lot of lads down from the north for that fight as well wasn't there I remember Jordan Park's fight I was kind of surprised by, like, okay, there was there was a big reception, obviously, for the Carl Pindred fight because of the insane fight it was, and for the Paddy Hoolan fight because of the way it opened up in the Neil Siri fight as well. But Norman had one of the biggest receptions of the night there and also one of the biggest, like, fan bases when he was fighting because of all the lads down from the north. There's a big community up the north as well, wasn't there? And they were down that night to, to cheer on Norman. Yeah, there is, yeah. Like, when... when Back in the day, when Philpot or or Norman Park would be in cage contender, for example, or whatever, there'd always be a big busload or busloads of of fans coming down, or family and all that stuff coming down. And uh, obviously, the the kind of whole Irish thing that was going on, the crowd were joyous and on board as well. Like, and mm. maybe Park fed off, you know, he kind of benefited from that as well. Like, but uh, I don't think the actual Irish crowd ever. Took to Park the same way they took to the other Irish guys, probably just because yeah, of the Connor. Connor didn't like him, and he was remember he was yeah, probably just because of the all the talk of Connor versus Norman for years and years. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I don't think that helped, but yeah, it's definitely true. But like the, people, the, the fans choose a side, like yeah. and they're like, oh, this, and it makes them like negative towards the other guy. Mm-hmm. I always thought at the time that was kind of unfortunate, especially the way McGregor went about it. I didn't really like that, to be honest, but. Now it's kind of different because you know you have like Peter Queeley fighting Miles Price and stuff, and everyone loved that fight. You know, Irish guy versus Irish guy, nobody, nobody really cared. And I remember saying at the time that I hope we get to a situation where that is the case, where Irish guys fight Irish guys, and nobody will really care. You know, okay, you'll have the the SPG guys against the uh, you know the Team Rhino guys or the you know Waterford against Kilkenny or whatever way you want it. And, you know, the same with you know James Gallagher's fought Irish guys and other guys, and you know Sean Tobin is fighting coming up here in in, in Bellator and stuff and. It it's it has changed in that way as well. I suppose, yeah. and I suppose that's, like, it's a good way. Yeah. yeah. Another thing about it was like you know even for a small example when you put together these severe MMA Irish rankings years ago, mm-hmm. people people were like so mad or whatever about them rankings or 
like wanting you to justify why they're right yeah. behind this guy or that guy. You know, it, it, people are like it, people want to say, "Oh, I'm the best lightweight or whatever featherweight or mm-hmm. whatever weight class it is," and like I think that kind of was where the McGregor and Park kind of slight dislike for each other kind of kicked off where who's the best and then it was like oh who'd win in a fight and people were saying oh Park would McGregor's like you know terrible on the ground that's like that was a narrative going for even this brand out fight like mm-hmm. UFC Dublin that was still going like that was going before because of the Duffy thing and the, still going now yeah still going now like so that was the thing like so there was people like making arguments each way and picking a side basically and mm-hmm. Norman Park obviously uh, unluckily for him, every the McGregor fan base is very passionate. And when when an opponent came up, like even Joe Duffy, for example, if he was he wasn't taken to by the Irish the same way that he would have been probably if he was an SPG guy and friends with Conor McGregor and mm-hmm. not a rival of Conor McGregor. Yeah, it's funny actually that that is true. Like, and that that does happen. You even see it with the lads these days, like you know James Gallagher even coming through. Would he be as big a star if he was with, with another gym and doing the things he was? And now you're not, you know, the comparisons with Conor and stuff. He probably wouldn't be like so. It's it, it is interesting. Norman's opponent himself, I suppose, in a very unfortunate situation. But still, Norman's probably been... Okay, apart from McGregor, probably the most successful Irish fighter on that card since. You know, he won his last two fights even. He won Irish Fighter of the Year last year on Severe MMA. Doing really well out in KSW and, and different promotions as well. So, you know, Nor- Norman is like a very solid fighter as well. I think he's another guy who's a little bit underrated. Okay, he's not the most exciting fighter or yeah, a guy in the world, you know, but... He's a very, very solid fighter, and and he's it was outrageous. Well it was like outrageous, really. Like he was unprecedented the way he was covered. Yeah, UFC. it was ridiculous. Like he should still be in the UFC. Let's be he literally him. sent it to me on like I remember it was April first, yeah, yeah. and I was like, "Yeah, Norman, like literally, like you can't be doing this. Like I can't." like put stuff up like this and you just be like fucking mm-hmm. taking the piss like and he's like no man I swear yeah. like, I, rem- know, I remember that day alright yeah, we I need to verify this with somebody else and <laughs> yeah. still don't believe you I remember we were talking on the phone and uh, I was like I- I'll write it up and you were like hold on I have to fucking ring Norman <laughs> you were like on the phone and I remember you were telling me you were on the phone for like 10 minutes and you were like asking him about 10 times if it was true and you made him like swear in his life or something before you you'd put it up yeah like, I remember yeah. I couldn't get through to Rodney for a while and then finally got through to Rodney I was like okay this is yeah. Rodney's like not going to be taking the pieces with in conjunction with Norman yeah, that's fu- that was mad but I, I suppose the, the rest of the card in was, was excellent Ian McCall I was always a big fan of Ian McCall and Brad Pickett on this, this card that was a like that was a high level fight really good uh, uh, winter decision okay it wasn't maybe the most exciting fight in the world either but it was a good technical fight and I, I remember just the speed of Ian McCall and, you know Ian McCall was one of the best guys in the world back then as well uh, and he was the best guy in the world for a while at flyweight before he, the UFC started the division and that wasn't too far off from it but that was a really really good fight as well and then Gunnar Nelson versus uh, Zach Cummings in the in the co-main event and you know I suppose Gunnar Nelson at the time was kind of up there with McGregor wasn't he in terms of guys who we thought trained in Ireland who could be really really yeah. good and that Zach Collins huge Collins? prospect undefeated mm-hmm. making it look easy with his jiu-jitsu and kind of completely opposite yin and yang <laughs> mm-hmm. opposite to McGregor people were kind of interested but yeah like it was a it was a good performance if the first round was a bit, was a bit feeling each other out but uh, Gunnar obviously got the job done quite easily but uh yeah, Gunner, like he was treated as well, like a like an Irish Irish fighter by the by the community uh, before he got to the UFC and during his UFC run uh, as well, because I think he was in there before McGregor. <clears throat> he was in the UFC before McGregor, and and was it Demarcus Johnson he beat? 
Yeah, he did. Yeah, he got running. I talked to him over in London. Or yeah. uh, guillotine him, wasn't it? Or was it? I talked yeah, to him. Yeah, I remember over that did. Like, people, uh, people on our Facebook or whatever, Twitter or our website were like, that was good traction on that. Like, anything going around at the time. Like, but I think his in, 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 inactivity and injuries and the lackluster loss to Rick Story just kind of people just kind of lost interest mm-hmm. but I suppose on that night though it was a kind of a good way to to keep that going like the, you know did this car built and built and built and built or you had the, the kind of the couple of lulls with the decisions and then you had the big finish for Norman Park you had the big finish for Gunnar obviously the big finish for, for Kyle Pinder as well and the big finish started off for Paddy Ullin it was kind of the perfect car the way it kind of reached the crescendo for for Conor McGregor versus Diego Brandao and I suppose before we talk about that fight itself you uh, you know you mentioned Conor earlier he was over in Iceland and that was kind of the I suppose maybe not the apex of McGregor, but the apex of McGregor, I suppose, before he became um, the, the the star we know today, you know, going out to Vegas and having these championship, you know, camps and stuff to prepare. This was him coming back off the injury. A lot of people thought it might be too soon coming back off the injury. He went to Iceland, went and prepared. He was turning into a bit of a star in Dublin. I remember him saying he couldn't, like, walk the streets and stuff to be people coming up to him. I'm sure that got a lot worse after that, but... Uh, so what about that fight before? I know you were in the camp filming the documentary for a lot of the the fight the, the camp before that. What what was it like to be there? And was there any kind of worries that was too soon for after the knee or anything? Well, yeah, well, I think I can't remember exactly, but I, I think like there was like precautions taken to not over overuse the knee or whatever. Obviously, when you're coming back from an injury, it'd be stupid to mm-hmm. to not consider that. But it wasn't. There was no holding back or anything. Like uh, I, I think. Like I think I said this on the podcast before, but I think if it was now, Connor would have taken more. Like if the time was now and he in the position he's in now, he probably would take more time. Mm-hmm. But he wasn't gonna pull out of UC Dublin. He'd been talking about UC Dublin since the even before he got into the UFC. He'd been talking about dragging the UFC to Dublin once he once he got into the UFC, kicking the door down. All these all these things he was saying. Yeah. So he he wasn't gonna miss that mm-hmm. no matter what. Yeah, like it was. I, I suppose they could have maybe put it back a few months for him or whatever as well. But it was, it was really the perfect time, you know. It was, and this was, the, you know, it was the greatest night in Irish MMA history. We thought we remember we had a few nights after that. Obviously, the the ones out in Vegas and stuff. But in Ireland itself, the next Irish card could have been great as well. But there was, the, the, there was you know two fights fell out, and we ended up with Paddy Hoolan in the main event in a fight, you know, in a in a in a good fight or whatever. But it was not the one we'd be building up for, and it didn't go perfectly. And he lost and. And this was the exact opposite. Everything went perfectly. All the fights we, you know, we wanted were on it. McGregor was actually supposed to fight someone else, wasn't he? Cole Miller, wasn't it? Cole Miller. But that didn't make much of a difference, I don't Mark think. Zuckerberg called. He wants you off Facebook. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Cole Miller. I remember in, I was inside in uh, I was inside in Eddie Rockets one day in Limerick <laughs> eating food and uh, watching the MMA hour. And McGregor and Cole Miller were like, I think they were on at the same time. Before this fight, and yeah, that like, was where he said that shit. quote about yeah, Facebook. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just pissing myself laughing, eating my food inside Nettie Rockets. And then they changed to Diego Brando. And a lot of people, I remember there was there was uh, a lad that lived. Uh, I actually worked with for a, for a while when I was in college. I remember putting up on Facebook, um, saying that Cole Miller's out or whoever it was, and and now it's Diego Brando versus Conor McGregor. And I remember he messaged me. He actually trained a bit of MMA himself. He was he was over from Poland, and uh, I remember he said to me like, "Geez, this is a lot harder fight." You know, Diego Brando was a, a legit guy on the ground. With, with his jiu-jitsu and all and he, he's you know good takedowns and he can hit hard as well he's a, an insane guy rather than Cole Miller who's you know a good fighter a good technical fighter and all but I think everyone knew Conor McGregor was much better than him and everyone knew McGregor no, was, a lot of people were saying well, that Cole Miller was going to yeah, win him yeah but a lot of fucking dopes as well. but like Diego Brandao even if you're not better even if you are better than him 
Diego Renoso mad like it's still a hard fight you know and he he came in there and he seemed bang up for it at the way and remember him jumping out and fucking lepping around the yeah, he's a guy who's like wild and comfy mm. in the first round and yeah. you have to weather a bit of a storm usually so yeah he's definitely uh offers more danger than Cole Miller I think yeah and he did come from as well you know McGregor said he got caught with, with one shot and he said he didn't even that, that post fight interview there that I played a bit of uh, at the start of the podcast said he didn't want to come in too cocky you know get hit or whatever and there was there was a scramble on the ground and McGregor got a nice little uh remember that takedown he got like from the the kind of the body lock position where Diego was trying to kind of half take him down and McGregor landed on top and did well on top and and obviously got back up and landed that that big knockout and that that's spinning back kick to the to the fucking chin as well that Dan Hardy said was a slip or something I was like what are you talking yeah, about Dan he, Hardy hit him he, right in the face that was a some shot he kind of hit him with his calf instead of his shin but uh, it was still looked looked unbelievable but I think it probably would have been a knockout if it was slightly kind of said it himself and won't break down if it was thrown slightly earlier mm-hmm. yeah and look I suppose the end of that fight you know, he, he hits him with the you know the, the Celtic cross and, and knocks him down and it's it's all over it was I've never seen, you know, I've, okay, maybe the All-Ireland final last year when Limerick won for the first time in 45 years and the eruption, <laughs> the eruption of noise and that with 82,000 people obviously going to be a little bit louder, especially the way that game ended. But for 9,000 people, the amount of noise that was made there and the amount, it was a volcano of beer just fell on top of me and it was just pouring down the fucking tree arena, the Pint Depot. <laughs> I'm amazed the octagon didn't fill with beer, the amount that was spilled, with just people jumping with joy. And I remember, I don't know, was it, I think Luke Thomas said it, or maybe it was Dan Hardy said it in the commentary, that 9,000 seats were sold out. There wasn't one seat uh, left to be bought in that arena and not one of them was being used after Conor McGregor won. Everyone was just up jumping for joy. And it was one of those moments like that it was just yeah. There was the people on press row <laughs> celebrating and stuff as well. Yeah, know, which was a bit wild. I wasn't on press row at that time, but it was, it was, it was insane. Yeah, they're the worst. They're the worst. But it was just, it was insane. You know, Ariel was there as well, and obviously he's been to all the big UFCs in the last ten years or whatever. And he was saying at the time that it was the best UFC he was at. And there was, in terms of okay, the fights and whatever to the to Irish people, they were excellent. But to people uh, outside of Ireland, maybe not. You know, looking back, McGregor one would be and, and whatnot, but. The atmosphere was untouched. You couldn't touch that atmosphere. It was, it was a fucking. It, yeah, it wasn't the was same. Like, people were on social media. Fighters wanting to be on the next Irish card. Yeah, they were, and it, wanted to experience the atmosphere. Yeah, it was. It was a cauldron. Like it was. It was like a. It was like a fishbowl of just noise. It was. It was absolutely insane. I suppose that the positivity of that night we thought was going to last forever. We'd read, like I did, I thought this was just the beginning of it. And, you know, Neil Sirius, I think, said, and PT had it in his article, that it wouldn't last. This is the best it'll ever get. And he was right. You know, looking back at it now, Conor McGregor is the only Irish-born, Irish-strength fighter in the UFC right now. You know, you have the guys in Bellator, and, they, you know, there was a great show a couple of, of uh, months ago, and there's another one coming up in a couple of weeks with the, all the Irish guys as well. But it's not the UFC. Let's be honest here. It's not the UFC. It's not the apex of the sport with guys who you think you see on this card, and they can be the best fighter in the world. They can be a world champion. You know, maybe they can, but they'll have to get out of a contract. They'll have to win all their fights in Bellator. They'll have to have the UFC want to pay them lots of money to bring them over from Bellator to get him on there to be a champion and that's that's not where I think a lot of people thought Irish MMA would would go maybe you know I I never thought that 
we'd be assured of another UFC champion. It's very hard to get a UFC champion, or very hard to get a top five guy. And you know, you had Paddy Hoolan could have been up there towards a top five guy or a top ten guy or whatever. But unfortunately, it was you know disease and injury or whatever it was that that stopped him from doing it. And you know, Ashling Daly was a little bit past her prime, I suppose, when when she got into the UFC, having you know beaten Jessica who fought for the title not so far back. So that was a possibility. Uh, and you know, Norman Park gone, I suppose he was close to the top fifteen at one stage. And you know, Joseph Duffy is still there as well, but he's been trained over in Canada now and stuff as well so that night was the apex of Irish MMA so far like I'm reading PT's article and thinking about it talking about it today I find it a little bit sad that it's gone do you are you the same or am I just very pessimistic yeah well uh, I don't know if I, I can't remember my exact thoughts at the time but I definitely didn't think oh this is going to be happening all the time now mm-hmm. Um, it definitely was like special. I remember when people were saying, "Oh, who's the next Conor McGregor?" I was like, "There is no. Yeah, this wouldn't be so special and exciting and all that stuff if this happened all the time. Like, mm-hmm. This is like unique." And I think people were very skeptical about Conor even after this. I remember myself and PC. I can't remember which fight it was after. It might have been after this and. <laughs> a certain journalist that you mentioned earlier was like uh, uh, me and PT were just chatting about Connor and who he's going to fight next and I was probably knowing me I was probably talking about he needs to fight Frank Yeager and skip all this bullshit and just yeah. knock him out real quick which outraged people mm-hmm. uh, so I enjoyed saying it um, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, this journalist came over <laughs> you guys really think he's going to go all the way and I remember me and PT just looked at him and like yeah we do (laughs) (laughs) and he Uh, just thought it was hilarious and it's funny like it's true because Conor McGregor made people believe no he he, that's really the special thing about Conor McGregor yeah like a lot of fighters would tell you things like oh I'm I'm gonna do this this is how I think this is what I do blah 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 blah. Um, like I'm gonna do this I'm gonna beat this guy I'm gonna do this and you don't believe them like Mm -hmm. they're just they're saying words that they think sound good (laughs) <laughs> you know what I mean but when Connor said certain things like he he definitely bought into it like and he believed that he believed it mm-hmm. and he did know? believe he, it like he did yeah he did it. believe it like yeah. but a lot of guys like are trying to sound like they have a lot of self-belief I think and it's it, it's not like a conscious thing where you're like guys lying but you don't buy into it the same way that you buy into some of the things Connor was saying mm-hmm. Uh, back in those days yeah and it was like to look at that okay if you look at that, that event in a vacuum which obviously we're doing here and you know lots of things before and and after came which we obviously we in a, in a space of a 40 minute podcast here or whatever you're not going to get that but in a vacuum that was that perfect night wasn't it it was the night where on the night it was perfect and you thought what was coming after was going to be perfect and obviously you know mcgregor said he, he wanted the, the he said football stadium and stuff which didn't come but he said you know world titles he wanted to be the best in the world and he did you know for a while he was the best in the world there for a while and he did yeah. go on and, and it he, wasn't it yeah. wasn't all about him it was like that clip you played at the start even like you know he talks about all the other Irish guys except norma park uh <laughs> um like it's you know he it was kind of a collective thing like where these guys have been a community together even okay series a different gym or whatever but like they, they've been on this kind of path together when everybody kind of not everybody but most people thinking like god oh, this is what are you doing like this is never gonna lead to anything like this is barbaric blah 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 blah, blah. like i think it's easy to forget how disgusted people were by yeah, sports uh, not true. so long ago like especially in ireland and especially like it was just easier to say oh if they ask you oh, what do you do? 
what's, what's your job to say? Oh, unemployed is a senior. Then say, no, mixed martial arts. I remember, fucking, remember oh, that week too. Just going into it and having to defend all these things. It's just like, oh. Yeah, that week too was, remember Joe Duffy had that show, the, the, the radio host Joe Duffy, not the fighter Joe Duffy, about MMA and about should this be allowed? Joe and sh- Duffy. <laughs> should MMA be banned and all? That was happening that week, like, and you, you know, we talk about a lot of positivity and stuff. Yeah, and it wasn't even like, you know, it was these stupid debates that were just infuriating. Mm-hmm. You couldn't argue with them because they're talking about, oh, they don't even wear gloves, or they don't even do this. So it's just like, oh my God, mm-hmm. you even watch the fucking thing first. Like. Yeah, it was, it was a weird time. It was like that, I don't know what the phrase is, but you know, there's like this one moment in time that everything kind of changes around it. And I think that was it. Even like, you know, on 2FM and stuff, myself and PT and Andrew and stuff were on it kind of, that was kind of the start of it. And we've been, you know, I've been on it probably, you know, a hundred times since and stuff. That was, you know, that was not the case before that night for a lot of time. Maybe there was. Actually, <laughs> <laughs> I just got reminded of uh, Ray Darcy calling Carl Pender and Connor for uh, oh, a whole yeah. half hour interview. <laughs> Call correct, correcting him every single time. I remember that. Yeah, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Oh my God. That was the state of Irish MMA back then. Like, and that wouldn't happen now. At least now. Okay, what, say whatever you want about Irish. Yeah, they wouldn't even bother having that. <laughs> <laughs> on the radio anymore. But people know what it is now. Like. You know, they know what it is. If there's some clip on some show and there's someone fighting in the street or something, they go, oh, they're, they're going full Conor McGregor or whatever. And people know what things are. That that night was really the catalyst for, for change in Ireland for MMA in terms of the, the, the national psyche. And, you know, it was more than that as well. It was after that with McGregor becoming a world champion and everything like that. But I think that was the start of it, really. And it was... Yeah, it, and like, you know, things yeah. like, you know, when we tried to pitch a documentary about Conor McGregor to Orty, like, before all the the wins in the UFC and mm-hmm. all the hype and all the talk and all that stuff uh, they didn't want to know and mm-hmm. then you know you're getting you get the the Holloway Holloway documentary in the six part series after that like and I'm, I'm sure Orty would have loved it and more but you know it's it's a complete contrast to a couple of even whatever six months yeah even even whatever a few weeks before Connor kind of made his uh, name in the UFC and mm-hmm. people kind of latched onto him and obviously places like RTE and online sites are seeing a lot of traffic and they kind of now it's like oh, Conor McGregor everything in the headlines and they're slipping his name in left, right and centre mm-hmm. but back then they obviously saw oh, there's something happening here and they, they wanted to get on board with it and like in a way fair play to them but yeah. in another way like they they really could have done more like they, I know from uh, I heard from like a person who used to work high up in the UFC EMEA office mm-hmm. before that they offered the, the fight night uh, Brandeo McGregor to RTE for a very cheap price Jesus um, like, like I think the number I saw was, was like somewhere between 30 and 60 grand fuck's sake and they, they turned it down and like a three TV3 took it or like on time delay or some shit like I can't remember the exactly yeah. but yeah it was just like stuff like that like it, it could have there was there was opportunities missed but I suppose um, it's very unlikely that like if they didn't take the chance to then of showing live UFC on, on national broadcaster in Ireland it's probably never going to happen yeah well no, not in a lot, well, of, lot of years mm-hmm. yeah it's on Virgin Media Sports now Bellator I suppose but sure yeah alright I suppose sure, sure that's it it was a good night to remember anyway and, and we'll probably put this podcast up for free so if you're listening to this and you're not a severe uh, uh, Patreon subscriber feel free to, to sign up it's only the price of a pint a month you'll get a podcast like this like five or six times a week so sign up patreon.com yeah. forward slash severe podcast and, uh, Th- those were those were the days back back then, like you know, Liverpool. Days. Liverpool only won five European Championships, <laughs> European Cups. <laughs> Neil Siri, big big fan. Remember, actually, around that time there was a 
Photoshop of uh, Neil Siri training in the Manhattan jersey. Yeah, do you know who made that Photoshop? You, me. <laughs> <laughs> I wasn't going to out you, but then you outed yourself, so it's okay. Yeah, I'm proud yeah, to take that. You invited me to out you. I'm proud to take I that. I think even Siri, even Siri would have found that fucking funny. He did, I think. Yeah, he did. I think he actually fucking. Uh, it's it's he, bad darts. He edited one of me as well, some big fat lad, like. <laughs> his computer or something he put my head on it so it was fucking he got me back for it anyway so I wasn't too bad but actually seeing Pete's article was very funny uh, I remember back back then we was like I, I don't know what time it was but around that time we, mm-hmm. people would like kind of didn't really know the kind of serious personality because he was kind of afraid of, of media and stuff like that mm-hmm. now he's not really afraid to speak his mind yeah. he doesn't really do that much but when he does he's not afraid to speak his mind but uh, people didn't really know that Team Rhino and Syria had that kind of banter constant ripping the shit out of each other mm-hmm. personality and then people were like I'll oh, stop fighting on, tw- on Twitter with Neil Siri and <laughs> you makes you look bad or, or, hate his, or all this stuff it's like we're just having a bit of crack here like, yeah. and like he's clearly a midget so like well, what's the problem <laughs> you, isn't that allowed <laughs> the one thing of each article so we've given away the whole article now but go and read it anyway from ESPN he said about when the card was announced it was sold out he, he kept putting up on Facebook that Paul Redmond had tickets oh, yeah, to yeah, give yeah, away yeah, and there was people just barraging calls and texts to Paul Redmond which is the market heel series as well I remember seeing that at the time and it was fucking hilarious so yeah that was that was great anyway. But uh, yeah, that's it anyway. We'll end on that in Neil's series story. I'm sure he'll send us a bit of abuse if he, if he, <laughs> if he hears about it anyway. And uh, thanks everyone for listening. We'll see you next time. Good luck.